You're listening to the fourth season of Enacting the Kingdom, a podcast about liturgical worship and how it can transform your everyday life. I'm Father Yuri Hladio, and I'm joined by my teacher and friend, Father Jeffrey Reddy. Father Jeffrey is the director of the Orthodox School of Theology at the University of Toronto and holds a doctorate in the field of liturgical worship. For our fourth season, Father Jeffrey and I decided to publicly publish a series of episodes which have hitherto been reserved exclusively for the patrons of this show. We'll be publishing them here exactly as they were heard by our patrons. Father Jeffrey and I release special private episodes for our patrons on a weekly basis, so if you like what you hear and you'd like access to much, much more, you can go to patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom to become a patron. But for now, we hope you enjoy the public release of this episode. We're here, Father Jeffrey. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome to you, too. Thank you very much. Welcome to all our listeners. I hope you've had a restful day, a very restful day. Uh, What about you, Father Jeffrey? Have you had a restful day? I don't think that's quite the adjective that uh, is most appropriate, but but I'm here now and uh, ready to rest with you. Wonderful. Well, our guest today, as you may have surmised, our lovely listeners, our lovely audience, I should say, is Dr. Nicole Rokas. So before I bring her on, it's always tradition, I'll read uh, a bio of hers, and then we'll bring her on to join in the conversation. So Dr. Nicole Rokas is a communications professional who has worked in both academic and nonprofit environments. She is also an adjunct faculty member at the Orthodox School of Theology at Trinity College at the University of Toronto. That's with you, Father Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. Nicole has been a contributor to Ancient Faith Radio since 2015 as host of the Time Eternal podcast and blog. Her first book is Time and Despondency, Regaining the Present in, Present in Faith and Life, which is from Ancient Faith Publishing in 2017, which explores the relationship between human perceptions of time and the spiritual sickness of Asidia. She has her PhD in history from the University of Cincinnati and has attended Holy Merbear's Orthodox Church in Orthodox Mission in Toronto with you, Father Jeffrey, and has also come to St. Maria's in Hamilton with me. So without further ado, we're going to bring on our friend, Dr. Nicole Rokas. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Hey. Hi. Glad to be here. Welcome to the you forgot to introduce my dog, who will yeah. undoubtedly be interrupting us at some point. His <laughs> name is Felix. Yes, Felix the dog. He, kind of he dog also has many, accolade, he has many accolades, but they're too numerous to name at this time. <laughs> does he have his own podcast, though? <laughs> no, he, he does, does have, have his own, own Instagram. Instagram. Right. Yes, I've yeah. heard about this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, well, our topic is Sabbath. And, and what does it mean for an Orthodox Christian to observe the Sabbath? Um, we often think, you know, Sabbath as a Jewish practice. Um, but, you know, Christianity has those Jewish roots. And, you know, we might even know certain Christians who might observe Sabbath, you know, that are in our lives or things like that. We might even know certain groups like Seventh-day Adventists who actually purposely go to church on Saturday to observe the Sabbath, uh, which is uh, their understanding of the inheritance of of that Jewish tradition into the Christian um, life. So, uh, Nicole, you are doing currently a series on your podcast, Time Eternal, exploring the Sabbath. And I'm wondering if you could, uh, before we get into the nitty gritty of our conversation today, could speak a little bit about what inspired you to do a series on Sabbath and Uh, What inspired you to bring particular guests on for the series as well? 
Yeah, so uh, the mini series is called A Time for Sabbath, and um, it's within the Time Eternal podcast. And uh, the my inspiration, I suppose, was my own experience over the last few months, really since Pascha, I would say, in, in May. That would have been in May, I think, um, of gradually adopting a sort of Saturday Sabbath ritual in my own life. And I didn't set out to do this purposely. It was at first, it was kind of just for mental health reasons, just needing to conscientiously take a break on Saturdays uh, from work, from social media, from screens, that kind of thing. Um, But it blossomed from there into a much more intentional um, uh, act of stepping back, even from like buying things, from um, working on my own writing, which isn't like technically work, but it it is something that I uh, attach a lot of ambition to, I suppose, and a, a certain work work like attitude, and also like stepping back from housework and and. Um, and things like that on Friday night into Saturday um, in order to spend time with actual people in community and spend time with God and spend time um, being restored myself on a physical and emotional level. So that kind of was happening in my life and sort of parallel to any, you know, it wasn't an intellectual thing. I didn't like read a bunch of books and then was like, oh, okay, this seems really uh spiritually like a spiritually rich thing to do that I should do it just sort of happened and um really was life-changing and has been life-changing um it's completely reoriented my week and it's also given me um a different and what feels like a deeper place to approach God in the rest of my life from and so I um, I was like, well, I have this podcast all about time. And this has been one of, to date, the most paradigm shifting experiences with regard to the sanctification of time in my own life. So why don't I explore this? Um, I have had a few people in my life that came to mind that I thought would be really interesting to talk with about the Sabbath. I had a few books that I'd always wanted to read. And just, yeah, it's just been a chance for me to like explore in a nonlinear or strategic way, different topics and conversations around the Sabbath and um, hopefully help others as well um, take a look at their own lives and, and also their own inner lives with regards to the you know, the topics of rest and busyness and and what our why is um, as individuals behind all of these things, um, because they have a huge bearing on how we live out our faith. So mm. that's, that's, that's a time for Sabbath. Yeah, well, well, thank you for sharing. And before I turn it over to Father Jeffrey um, to kick off uh, the nitty gritty of our conversation, uh, I do want to uh, let our audience know we love it when you ask questions in the chat. We love it if you would maybe share uh, a little 
something about a question or a comment about the Sabbath, you're very welcome to post it right in the chat and we will get to it and try our best to respond uh, to it uh, when it comes up. So please send in your questions, send in your comments. We'd love to read them. We'll put them up here on the screen and we can discuss them. Uh, so Father Jeffrey, I'll turn it over to you. Thank you. Uh, I, one thing I want to just note for our listeners here is that um, one of the episodes in that series that uh, Nicole just referred yes, thank to you. Uh, <laughs> featured us, and uh, that was just came out yesterday, actually, on, on Time Eternal, on, on Ancient Faith. And what we're not going to do this evening, I suppose, is just rehearse that whole thing, that this um, was conceived a little bit as kind of crossover uh, episodes of, of the two podcast series. So I do uh, recommend to everybody listening to, to go and listen to that. We will probably touch on some similar things um, this evening, particularly as questions uh, come from you all about uh, how Sabbath uh, is even to be viewed or, or practiced within Orthodox Christian tradition. But I just want to say that that resource is there. And, you know, we were really privileged to be, um, you know, to be made famous, I think is the way <laughs> our, our talking about that. it. <laughs> anyway, we Oh, there's Felix confirming yeah. that. There's Felix, not a rooster. That's Felix. <laughs> but he does Barking a really good what. imitation of a rooster, doesn't he? Does he start at four in the morning? I don't know. Um, Sometimes. Yeah. Anyway, very good. Uh, anyway, Nicole, one of the episodes in your series that wasn't with us on it, I think you um, you talk about uh, the very famous uh, 20th century Jewish. Uh, teacher and theologian, Abraham uh, Joshua um, uh, Heschel. And uh, he wrote a, a very famous book on the Sabbath. And I, I wonder, if is that one of the books you'd refer to that you said you'd wanted to read for the longest time? And uh, yes. what's what's your take on that? Because it's it's not a... It's not what you might expect as a book, I think, uh, on, on the Sabbath that either a Jew or a Christian, you know, might write. It's uh, It has a lot of... Um, a poetry to it. It's a, it's a kind of, um, you know, it's an elegy really to the Sabbath in, in a way. And I just wonder to hear from you about, you know, what your take on him is and how you integrated that into this new practice of, of uh, Sabbath uh, keeping that, that you found. Yeah. Um, so this is the book. It's just called the Sabbath um, by Heschel. I uh, had known about this for a while and it was actually also recommended to me by a Jewish professor that I had in graduate school who himself is Sabbath observant. And he, he's another one of the people um, along with you guys that I wanted to talk to about the Sabbath uh, just because his Sabbath observance was a, you know, was a noticeable part of his life as an academic. And that always really impressed me. Um, and I really respected him for that, uh, cause it's not, I, as a person of faith, it's not easy. I know to live out particularly the more visible, um, and routine affecting aspects of one's faith. I think as Orthodox, we know that cause we have a very rich liturgical calendar that sometimes, um, becomes very visible when we are working in the public sector. So, um, so, yeah, he had recommended this to me, like knowing that I am Christian and just was like, I, you know, you should read this. You'll you'll like it. And I thought, oh, that's interesting, because from what I know of Heschel, he's definitely very a very, 
was a very faithful Jewish um, rabbi. So I read it and I uh, love it. I, I absolutely love it. And I think like everybody in the 21st century should read it, whether they are people of faith or not. Um, I, I guess what I was surprised by was how, um, how well his words speak to like, as an Orthodox person, I found the vocabulary so similar around the sanctification of time. I found the imagination of a sanctified universe um, through time really something that felt very familiar to me already. And and yet um, his ability to come at it from a Jewish perspective, you know, the Jewish people having... I think really um, safeguarded this, what he calls the cathedral of time. He calls Sabbath, the cathedral of time, God's gift to man. Uh, It it was just very rich and very, very deep. And um, he wrote this in the, I think I want to say sixties or seventies he wrote or no eighties that this was published, but in any case, a bit earlier, I think 51, wasn't it? Yeah. In any case, like far before the internet, um, <laughs> took over and and so his it's a, a tiny bit dated like but they have the they have this evergreen ring to them and are like even more his words are even more important for an age of 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 internet and digital media in particular you know his 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 um his whole perception that Really, civilization is about conquering space. Um, we we conquer the world of space through our civil quote unquote civilizing influences. That's kind of a loaded term, but you know through our acquisition of wealth, our acquisition of power over human subjects, over the environment, over the economy, um, over like physical materials that we engineer into these hyper commodified goods. Um, we are conquering the world of space through civilization and what Sabbath does um, and Sabbath strictly understood, like particularly for him, it's understood as the seventh day, the day that God sanctified um, in creating, like in the beginning um, and, and called his people to hallow uh, and keep holy this cathedral in time, what, what that does is it allows us to step outside of the world of space and the strive for power over the world of space and step into the cathedral of time and thereby renew and restore um, ourselves along with like all of humanity and really all of creation and the cosmos to this sanctified um vision and that this is what the world was for. The weekdays are for the Sabbath. Um, the Sabbath isn't a recovery for the weekday. It's the culmination. I just find that so beautiful and a lesson that uh, certainly now needs to be heeded more than ever in our world at large. Yeah. And that whole kind of um, treatment of space and time is absolutely fascinating. And even the way he talks about, uh, you know, that Judaism 
is primarily concerned with holiness in time, you know, rather, you know, not going and kind of erecting big cathedrals and temples. And, and, and even though, you know, we think of sometimes, you know, as land and, you know, throne in Zion and, and temple and so forth. But, but actually, Judaism rarely and only briefly possessed any of those for through most of the history uh, of Judaism. It's been about what you can do in time because the place you know, the space is is beyond, is the project of, you know, all of civilization or what have you. So this idea that ultimately what we're intended for is to to kind of occupy, you know, this, this sanctified kind of time, this time where God can be present and everything. And to me that, you know, as you described, it resonates so much with our own understanding in Orthodox Christianity and the festal calendar. And so often that the feasts will talk about today, you know, this day, uh, the day that we enter into and God can be present to us as he has been in every age, you know, past and so forth. So that, that Sabbath concept, that Sabbath shaped conception of time really is uh, is such an important dimension uh, of our faith we're not really meant to go out and conquer space but to indwell that moment in which god can be present you know to us and and i think that's as you say it's a really timely reminder for us particularly today when you know all the busyness that he refers to of civilization um you know back in the you know middle of the 20th century you know is just jacked up so much more in our own day and and so forth so uh yeah i mean like you i am i'm really overwhelmed still by the kind of words that that he speaks prophetically and he speaks to and he speaks to every human being he's not this is not i mean he's actually writing in a time when you know jews in the united states um where he was teaching you know were were kind of avoiding overt you know following of things like you know Sabbath and other aspects of Torah and everything. And he could have come at this in a completely different way and said, you know, leaned heavily on the rules and on. Yeah. Like you have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. But instead he wrote this, you know, which is like this marvelous elegy to what it means to be a human being. And, and, and yeah. yeah. So all the more kind of strength to your whole rediscovery of this now in, in our own time and uh, time really uh, and and the world that we live in where you know this has universal application right and so we we'll have to talk about how how does that integrate then with an orthodox christianity and, and- yeah i was just going to speak to that because i found myself wondering like <laughs> you know almost like wow this is um this is amazing like okay what do we need christ for <laughs> because um uh, and i mean that sarcastically but um, it really is, you know, it really is a beautiful concept and a life-giving concept. And, um, I just one side note, I'll like to, to refer to something that I wanted to bring up, um, before I get to how I think this works itself out within an Orthodox, um, you know, framework is I, what I, really appreciated about this book is the theme of delight. And he, he um, just evokes this sense of delight in the Sabbath that, that I don't think we often think of um, when it comes to the Sabbath, particularly when we picture whatever we may know about Jewish um, 
observances of the Sabbath and, and how that might translate to a Christian practice. But um, he he points out that this is a day to delight. It's not a day to to mourn that, you know, the things that you can't do or aren't supposed to do or have to step back from. It's a day to open up space for delight, delight in the creation, delight in the presence of God in 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 the kind of world he's given us um, in time. And that is like revolutionary for me. I don't think we delight. I don't think we have a lot of space in our lives to delight among other things. And it's sort of challenged me to make that specific thing, something of a practice um, in my own soul, but to, to sort of bridge this with, with an Orthodox framework, um, one way that I sort of see the Sabbath functioning is, is as a kind of preparation for Christ, uh, a preparation to receive Christ. And I, I mean that both on like a personal micro level, but also on a macro level. Um, there's another great book out right now. It was released a few years ago called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by a Protestant, uh, John Mark Comer or Mark John Comer. He's a Protestant pastor and writer. And um, he quotes his mentor a lot, Dallas Willard, who's a Protestant theologian. And one of the things that Dallas Willard sort of says um, is, in this book is that um, like one of the big, like perhaps the biggest spiritual like ill of our time is, is hurry and busyness. Um, so it's not some political sociological threat. Uh, it's it's not all of these big things that are so um, polarized and polarizing right now. It's busyness um, because we live our lives in such a, a mindless way where we're going from one thing to the other that we we can't we we don't actually have enough space in time to stop and receive Christ and. And I, I think of for myself, um, practicing some form of Sabbath on Saturday prepares me to, to receive the Eucharist on Sunday, not because I think every Orthodox Christian needs to practice Sabbath and do it in this particular way, or have, we need to have some kind of super hyper ritualized form of this, but it's an invitation to slow down and, um, slow down and, take a look at myself and my life and be still and stop my own efforting and my own muscling my way through my life and, and, and be ready to, to meet with Christ, encounter Christ in the liturgy on Sunday mornings, which is not the only day we should necessarily be in the liturgy, but it happens to be the day when I, you know, I think it's the Lord's day. And so that, that is like what I sort of prepare myself for. Um, so that's one way. And then I think historically, like over the course of salvific history, you know, perhaps one of the roles of Sabbath was opening up that same kind of space in the imagination of God's people to be ready to encounter the Messiah um, in the form of Christ, which, of course, the, the Jews um, don't accept Christ as the Messiah, but those who did you know, we're prepared, I think, in part by following the commands of God, one of the major ones being to keep the Sabbath holy. Um, and I think that that was a purposeful gift on God's part for humanity because of that.
Yeah, I mean, this reflects back on some of the conversation we had on, on your podcast. And just for a listener's benefit, if, if they want to explore this further, we did talk, you know, how uh, how the, the seventh day, you know, continues within our Orthodox Christian understanding. It's not that we displace the Sabbath to, to Sunday uh, in any way. Um, or you know, sort of just change the day of the Sabbath in, in a week. We we still keep an understanding of Saturday as the seventh day, as the as the Sabbath, and it, all of the day, all the Saturdays of the year, in fact, take their meaning from what is the great and holy Sabbath, right? The the day between our Lord's crucifixion and his resurrection. And so we maybe have a chance to, to talk about that a little bit more. But the, the Sunday that you've just described, that kind of encounter in the Eucharist that most of us have, you know, Saturday itself is a liturgical day and we can talk about that as well. It's never a fast day except that great and holy Sabbath. But that Sunday is the day beyond the seventh day. It's not the first day of the week, but the eighth day. And it's that day of... Uh, of promise of the it's the day of the Lord Kyriaki it's called in in, in Greek but it it's the day that was the day that is the is the day of the fulfillment of all that expectation um, and so to have both really is is to have you know what we need to have you can't have one without the other there wouldn't be any, win. <laughs> yeah exactly there, without the the seventh day there is no eighth day and so it's not that we now neglect all of the meaning that you've just described to that 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 coming into god's presence and that that ex- expectation and so forth and to this day you know we remember the faithful departed we remember those who are awaiting the fulfillment in the resurrection um and back to heschel i mean i love how he talks about you know the the sabbath is a kind of of resurrection so so here's somebody who's not a you know one who acknowledges you know the resurrection of Jesus the Messiah in the middle of history as a foretaste of the day of the Lord, but one who still it was expecting the day of the Lord to come, but seeing in the Sabbath that foretaste of paradise, that foretaste uh, of resurrection that it is. So of course for us who are living in that different time frame, having accepted. Jesus as Messiah, you know, it's it, we don't differ from from Jews in faith or in spirit or in the Torah, but we are in a different time, and that time is we have accepted that the day of the Lord has come. So we've moved to the eighth day. It's an eschatological move, but it mm. needs the seventh day in order for the eighth day to make sense. So, so I think you know, so we explore that a little bit more in our, our previous conversation, but it's always important to reiterate that, and that's you know, I mentioned in that talk how all of the the languages um you know uh, of orthodoxy talk about that saturday the word given for saturday is sabbath right so we, we, mm-hmm. we've not lost sight of that in fact since that talk i've gone a lot of the latin languages in western europe remember that too it's it's funny it's only the northern european languages that have i was thinking about that pagan too. Names, yeah. you know Germanics. So, exactly although german itself samstag isn't it um which is I, I think Sabbath day, I think by etymology, but in any case, the, the Scandinavian sure. and the English and, and others. But certainly Zontag is, this is Sunday. Um, not the Lord's day. So yeah. Yeah. Well, like in English, we have all pagan <laughs> gods for our <laughs> days of the yeah. week and everything, but, but in French, Samedi, it means the day of, of the Sabbath and across all the Latin languages we have the same. So there's a remembrance kind of etymologically there that Sabbath remains the seventh day. And we need to find all of the meaning of that to make sense. In fact, of that eschatological Lord's day on, on Sunday. So I love the way you describe that in your, the rhythm of your own life and, and so forth. And, and really it's a challenge to us all to kind of 
find how we fit that into our understanding. And we've, we've talked before too about we live just from Lord's Day to Lord's Day. We have no definition of the sanctification of time because it's all eschatological on that basis and things would kind of... Yeah, there's, a, there's no journey there. There's no structure yeah. to the journey through cross, tomb, <laughs> just resurrection. Yeah, and I think it's a little ironic that, you know, with something like this, as with uh, so many other things so many other beneficial things to our soul is like, it takes a little bit of effort, actually a lot of effort um, to, to move in this kind of direction. It, it takes effort to rest and to create um, space and wherewithal in one's life uh, to, to engage in that rest on a regular basis. And I think that's what keeps many of us from doing this. Um, it's be- we, a, we feel like that effort is um, impossible for us. And B, um, we feel like if it takes effort to rest, we must be doing something wrong. Like if it's not easy, then it must not be rest. I have a, I have a, I have a question. It's sort of like a little bit of a thought experiment, but I want to get your take on it, uh, Nicole, and then maybe Father Jeffrey after that. So, you know, in the early Christian in the earliest Christian times, especially after the destruction of the temple, the, the, one of the big ideas was that the community itself has become the temple, right? Like your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, and um, that building in Jerusalem is no longer the be all and end all of the presence of God. It's actually into the, into the people. It's sort of exploded out of that into all the world. And I think something similar could be said about the Sabbath in that the, the Sabbath being this icon of that eschatological day to come. Uh, so, but, but now, you know, now that we, Christ has come and, you know, the new age has been inaugurated, could you not say that the Sabbath has been exploded out of the, just that one day and should actually be a reality in every single day of our life? And, you know, is, is that a reason maybe to, quote unquote, like not observe on a particular day of the week. Um, I, I don't know. I just wanted to get your take on, on this. Um, well, yes and no. Um, first of all, if, first of all, this whole notion of explosion, if that's the case, we could, we could make that for basically everything in life and salvation and the church and faith and just do away with all sense of sequence and, structure and whatever, because God, Christ is everywhere. God is everywhere filling all things, you know, Christ's resurrection has come into the world, etc. Um, but that's not what we do. And that's not what Christians did from the very beginning. They still met on the Lord's day. They still, um, uh, I mean, Christ went to, went, um, to Jerusalem for the Passover, etc. So like, even in his life, you still have, and observe the Sabbath, you still have some sense of um, keeping, of sanctifying time in this way. And, you know, I think, you know, looking at this from a human perspective, I think that one of the reasons for that is us is because we are human and we live in a world of time and our brains process things in a sequential way they perceive reality in a certain way we 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 perceive you know the present moment as the moment in which 
we can act and encounter Christ. The past is, is not one in, that we can sort of um, embody in the same way, nor the, nor the future. And so while um, Christ has exploded um, and, and maybe that too has bearing on the Sabbath, not just the Sabbath, but maybe all of time and all of the times that we recognize as holy. Um, there's also something to be said for going through the process and going through the journey because that's what was given to us. And also, you know, coming from um, someone who was raised um, in, an, in an evangelical context, my thought, I so my, my sort of worry um, sometimes is like there's always this danger of reverting to a kind of minimalism when when every day becomes ho- holy and I, certainly every day is holy but when we fail to um, to walk the journey of faith through all the times uh, we every day starts to become instead of every day becoming mystically holy and the explosion of Christ all over the place every day sort of comes back down to a purely human imminent flattening of time way uh that's how we begin to experience time and so again this this the act of sanctifying time whether it's through the sabbath or feast days or fast days or whatever um is to me inviting Christ and the story of Christ and the journey of Christ and the journey we take with him into time um, perpetually. And uh, I think as humans, we need that. Certainly I do. I know I do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I agree. And I think I'll push back a little bit on, on what you're suggesting again from Heschel who, who distinguishes, you know, space and time, you know, and, probably contra Albert Einstein here, right? Um, but, uh, you know, he, he goes right back to creation, you know, in his description of this, you know, it, it's it's the time, it's the day that's called holy. Creation is called good, but the first thing that is kadosh um, in the Hebrew, the first thing that is hallowed, sanctified, and called holy is the seventh day. So, uh, and this is, I think, reflective, too, of, of uh, an Orthodox Christian, you know, kind of way of looking at things. If you think about even in the New Testament, when Jesus speaks to the Samaritan woman at the well, and there's a whole discussion about holy places, right? You know, this mountain or in Jerusalem and everything. And, and Jesus says, well, you know, there's a time is coming. A time is coming when neither this place nor that place, you know, kind of matters. So the, the places somehow are secondary in all of this. Um, the time is what's important. And of course, there will be a time when God will be all in all and and everything will be the eighth day. But maybe not. Maybe something of what Nicole just said about, you know, the being human is is to go through moments of time. And so maybe it will not all be eighth day and maybe there'll be still, still some sort of uh, experience of time. But certainly our task, our creational task originally and in the new creation and certainly in this overlap of the ages that we have was as we are bringers of the age to come into this time is to address time in this way and 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 principally that rather than go in you know construct edifices or uh, great places and so forth of course we have churches we have places we can go to but it's principally so they're protected from the elements 
as we do things in time, not because it matters that we build monuments because it's not about that. It, it is, as you say, the, you know, the, the place part has been exploded by the fact that the real temple is the body of Christ and then every member of that body of Christ where the Holy Spirit dwells and the spirit, you know, will be, you know, God will be worshiped in spirit and truth wherever, but the whenever matters extraordinarily. And it's where it's finding the presence of God in every time that, that matters. And, and the, the concept of, of Sabbath, which is that, that place of rest in God's embrace and, and that kind of conjunction of divine and human um, time is extraordinarily important for, for making that project work. And that it, it really is mostly about what we do with time rather than what we do with, with space uh, in this life, because the space thing is kind of taken care of by, you know, as Nicole alluded to earlier, civilization and, you know, human activity anyway, but very few people, almost nobody is properly addressing this question of time. And that's where, you know, a recovery, a retrieval of this idea that that's the first thing that God wanted to make holy. And in fact, he, God resists his people, the ones he calls and redeems and draws out of Egypt and, and so forth. He resists over and again, spaces, right? Don't make a permanent place. You know, I want a tabernacle that wanders about the wilderness, not, uh, you know, a, a anything built out of stone. And that becomes a theme picked up in the New Testament as well. Uh, St. Stephen's famous uh, sermon in, in Acts is all about God not dwelling in houses made of stone. He dwells in the time that we afford him, the cathedrals of time that we are supposed to be the architects of. And if only we could do that and allow him to take um, up that place uh, within our lives. Although not to say that there isn't a time and place for, for <clears throat> expressing the incarnation through, um, through, icons and um the blessing of space uh it's not that we're antithetical to space certainly not especially in light of christ and his indwelling of the world of flesh but yeah i really like what you're saying so we have about seven minutes or so left in the public side of this live stream. And for those watching that are not patrons, uh, you're only going to get the first half of our entire conversation with Nicole. Uh, me and Father Jeffrey, we run our main show probably is just on our Patreon. Uh, it's our private podcast. So you can go on patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom. You can pick a tier of support. You could support the show because we don't have to do any advertisements on this. It's the way that we keep afloat and you'll get access to our whole year long backlog at this point of episodes. Yeah, where congrats. I ask Father Jeffrey all of my questions and he answers them perfectly every time. So all if you wanted to know the answers to anything, just become a patron and life will become very easy for you. <laughs> uh, um, but before we end the public uh, live stream. I want to ask particularly, let's bring like bringing it down to a practical level. Let's say there's somebody watching who is an Orthodox Christian who says, okay, like I want to do something on Saturday to observe the Sabbath. It's kind of funny to say, I want to do something to observe the Sabbath. Um, but, um, you know, like, I don't know. I find for a lot of people that work at nine to five, Saturday is kind of, I don't know. It's a day that you can catch up on shopping it's maybe your grocery shopping day for for the whole week maybe it's i don't know like what what do you think 
What do you think might be some concrete steps or things to realize about this day of Saturday? Um, concrete steps to really rest on that day. What do you think works in our system? Like, does it, does grocery shopping fit into somebody's Sabbath, or should we really try and stop doing that? I don't know. What? Let's start with maybe. Well, Nicole I've actually, and then I've, I find this hard. I find this actually a really hard question to answer, and I and um. I've actually so far on the series stayed away from offering any kind of like rubrics or advice just because I, um, I really think that it is for us as Christians, you know, we don't in the Orthodox world, we don't have a kind of ritualized, uh, you know, practices around the Sabbath. And I, I hesitate to like, be like, this is what I do and it works for me. Therefore other people should do it. But you know, some, what I've been doing instead is, is trying to ask deeper questions to help people start to examine their attitudes around work and busyness and, and things like that. Um, uh, but uh, some sort of general principles and strategies that I have found useful and that seem to be useful for other people who are trying to make this a part of their of their lives um, is start small. And so even, you know, if it's a part of a day or, or, uh, you know, even shorter than that to start somewhere and um, to, to have maybe a vision in your mind of what you would like it to be, you know, what you would, what a realistic Sabbath could one day look like for you and sort of move in that direction rather than, than trying, trying to do everything all at once. And I was, when I was talking to my Jewish professor, I haven't yet aired that interview, but even he was saying he didn't grow up observing the Sabbath. And he, as a young adult, he had to build up gradually. Um, and that's being in a context where they have very strict rules, you know, even down to whether you can flip on a light switch or whatever. Um, and so he had to build up gradually. And even now that they have kids, they're having to build their kids up very gradually um, so that they not only are not doing the things, but like know where that's coming from and can have a deeper appreciation for what the Sabbath even is. Um, so I think that that's important, but also, you know, another strategy is to like let um to let it influence the rest of your week the more that i my own practice of sabbath is a work in progress and the more that i lean into it the more i have to sort of back up the rest of the week like i used to do all my grocery shopping all my housework all my cleaning um all my calling of family and whatnot on the weekends and i had to start taking all of those things and spacing them out like throughout the previous week when I might be doing, I don't know, Netflix or, or overworking myself the rest of the week, which is why I didn't have time to clean um, during the week or whatever. I, I have to, now it's like Tuesday, I clean the bathroom instead of on Saturday and I grocery shop on Thursday and, and I am able to rearrange things that way in my life. Um, but I think everybody has a little bit of wiggle room with regard to how they prepare themselves for the weekend. And you might not be able to re rearrange everything, but you can rearrange some things. And then finally, um, uh, finally one really important piece that is maybe more important than the things that you don't do is to abstain from the thought, from the thoughts that are associated from doing that 
So it's not so, like, for me, the most useful thing has, has been not necessarily that I don't go on social media on Saturdays, for example, but I don't allow myself to think about social media. I don't allow myself to think about my writing. I don't allow myself to think about work, which sounds really hard. And it is a practice. I'm, I'm practicing it. But that is what makes the difference. It's fasting from, from even the thought that are that is associated to effort and striving and, and all of that. And, um, and so if you're doing a less is more Sabbath where you're only able to devote a certain short time to this kind of endeavor, I think that's really important is like during that time, you're not only giving up the things you're giving up the thoughts and the, and the human associations and like prideful ego driven relationship uh, to those things. And, and in your place, in their place, you're turning, um, to to Christ and to the love of God and the work of God that is be done being done even when we are ourselves are not working. Father Jeffrey, I'm not going to let you answer uh, <laughs> until the private podcast. Um, but, oh, good! Uh, I get to say things. Okay, uh, so his words are more <laughs> exclusive. <laughs> Than your, your words, right. Dr. Rokas. This can eat my pumpkin seeds, guys. <laughs> your words, Dr. Rokas, deserve to have a wider audience. How's that? Right. Is that good? Go. Um, nice safe, nice safe. <laughs> so, yeah, if you would like to uh, continue listening to our discussion tonight, or I mean, if you're watching this, you know, recorded or watching this later because this will be posted on YouTube, but you would like to see the recorded version of the second half, you can become a patron at um, Enacted the uh, sorry. Uh, patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom and we're going to be talking about things like the observance of great and holy saturday right the 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 the, the most glorious sabbath day of our entire church year where the lord himself is resting in the tomb and uh we will also be talking about the liturgical customs in the orthodox church of every saturday that comes up um, and how we can connect that to our, our practice of Sabbath. Um, we do have a question coming in here, but I think we might take that for our private podcast if that works, uh, because we are over time. Uh, it is current. Uh, so we'll be meeting at eight o'clock. So the, we have a 15 minute break. We'll meet at eight o'clock for the private podcast. Thank you, everybody, for joining. Thank you so much, Dr. Rokas. Thank you, Father Jeffrey. And thank you to all our audience. And hopefully we'll see you in about 15 minutes over on Patreon. All right. Bye for now. Welcome to the private, extended, live stream, interview, discussion with Dr. Nicole Rokas. Uh, and thank you to all our patrons for uh, supporting the show. Um, okay, well, I think we just got to assume that everyone's already watched and knows where we left off with the last episode. And, and we could just sort of dive right in. And, I, you know, at the end of the last of uh, the public live stream, I rudely interrupted uh, and did not let Father Jeffrey and uh, respond to a question that I had asked him. So I thought, why not do that now? Um, so Father Jeffrey, I mean, do you remember the question or should I uh, reiterate it? Uh, maybe for the benefit of those who weren't there, maybe you could yeah. just... Oh, for the others. Yeah, for, for them. For the others, yeah. Um, I... I now I need to. I was, now I need to remember. Would you like me to remind you of the question? Father? The question was something like this: How do we practically bring yeah. observance of Sabbath into our lives? Um, what are some of the traps we might fall into, even with um, things that might seem like they are acts of rest, 
but might actually be sort of contrary to what we're trying to achieve here. Anyways, that's that's how I remember it. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, we have a tendency to, you know, make anything into um, rules in, in the Orthodox Church. So I am hesitant, you know, like Nicole was saying, to, to offer kind of very specific, you know, advice here, lest it come across as do this, you know, don't do that um, sort of thing. In our earlier discussion, not tonight, but um, on the Time Eternal um, podcast, we talked a little bit about Sabbath of the heart, you know, a bit like we have circumcision of the heart, the idea that in Christ all things are fulfilled. And so we uh, who are members of Christ's body, uh, you know, are called to fulfill that, but in a in a slightly different register than, than say, as covenant markers and in that kind of more legalistic uh, approach that sometimes, you know, can be found um, in the earlier tradition and so forth. So I think like a lot of the things in our liturgical lives, and you'll, you'll have heard this kind of theme throughout our Enacting the Kingdom podcast, it's often about looking, you know, beyond the kind of letter of the text, to, you know, what's the point here? What's the spirit of this? And one of the things that uh, Abraham Joshua Heschel, the book we talked about in the first half of this this evening, one of the things he talks about, and Nicole actually mentioned it, is, th- is this joy, this celebration um, that is Sabbath. It's not merely, a, you know, a, a, a keeping of rules or of, or even you know, being very careful about all the details of stopping doing things and and following other rituals. It, it, there is actually this, uh, you know, as, as he refers to this kind of building a cathedral of time, right? And so, what does that look like? This kind of I, I mean, I sort of picture that a little bit as kind of entering into certain moments and then just kind of squeezing them out a little bit to 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 make out of every moment something that is a little bit more um spacious right something that's larger on the the inside than it looks like on the outside and and father Yuri, when you'd asked the question earlier you said you know should we be doing you know things like shopping and, and whatnot well here's an idea and i and i like everything nicole has said here about you know trying to shift that to other days in the week and everything but for a lot of people that's not going to be possible but but what if we took that thing that action which is about you know finding food and provisions, you know, for our family. And we kind of entered into it and we did this like with that moment, right? What does it look like when we're not hurrying to the shopping center and rushing around and getting into queues and grabbing at things and, and everything? What have we said? Okay, there are markets, you know, let's make time for this. Let's take the family. Let's visit a market. Uh, let's even go out into the country and, and meet a farmer or two. And, and let's, let's do that thing we need to do, which is provide for our families. But let's do so in a way that is celebratory. That is about, it's a bit expansive. That's about making connections, you know, with people. You know, when you visit regularly farmers markets, you get to know, you know, different people at different stalls. You can talk to them about what went into, you know, the, the, the raising of that beef or the, the, the growing of those vegetables or the, the picking of that fruit. You can talk to them about recipes, about, about entertaining and hospitality. You know, when we lived in, in France, you know, it's, it's all about the markets. And I think there, there's something Sabbatarian um, about, you know, the French kind of lifestyle, which does this with an awful lot of things, you know, rather than just sort of relying on cheap goods made some 
third world country in some sort of forced labor conditions. You know, there's a whole kind of economy of crafts people, right? That, you know, everything has value. Everything has, has a purpose. And it's like kind of, as I say, entering into every moment, every event and kind of squeezing it outwards. Let's maximize this. Let's not just grab a sandwich for lunch. Let's have a three hour lunch and where we have people around and we enjoy every bite of that meal. And, and part of the, the idea of, you know, not cooking on the Sabbath that Jews have is that you can have actually more time with people, right? You're not away in the kitchen slaving over the hot stove. You've done all that preparation. You're sitting down, you're expanding the time of connection and, and networking of joy of celebration and so forth. So I think even, you know, if we don't, you know, keep to the the rigid rules that, that this is all about, which is important for those who are in that different time, a different place in time of still having to have the covenant markers between Israel and the nations. We talked about this, you know, in the Time Eternal podcast that for Christians, we're not in that time anymore. We are in that eschatological time when all the nations have been invited to worship the one true God. And so the covenant markers no longer apply in quite the same way, but this, it's still that idea of that expansiveness, the construction of the that cathedral of time in which God and his joy and his grace can take root in our hearts. So even if we do have to attend to cleaning, to, to cooking, to, to shopping, can we not do it in this kind of connected, celebratory, expansive way that allows us to, to kind of enter into precisely the kind of, of relationship with one another and with God that the Sabbath was meant to be all about. And so, I mean, that, that's kind of something that I, I, you know, I would encourage above and beyond kind of all the, the, the liturgical ritual things that we still attach to the seventh day. The, 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 it is a liturgical day. If, you, if you're in a church which celebrates that, you can go and do that. It's the day of commemorating the departed. It's a day of visiting graves. And how beautiful would it be if you go to that farmer's market at one moment and then you bring the food and you, you eat that in the graveyard, you know, with all of, of those departed ones that you're remembering. This is something that's done in Orthodox countries, you know, this idea of picnicking in, in cemeteries, which maybe seems a bit foreign to us, but it's so important on, on the Saturday and particularly on those uh, All Souls Days, the Soul Saturdays that we have throughout the church here. So there are prayers, there are rituals, but making visiting and people and and connectedness and, and the celebration and joy of time, an important part of all the things that we still maybe need to do, but we can do it in that different way. I think that that would all be quite a, a, a way of treating this kind of broader sabbatical um, practice. Uh, Nicole, you had, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to kind of respond to and sort of build on that. Um, I really, I really love those ideas. And I, I think that there's something really beautiful about the thought of expanding time, even the time we spend in necessary um, activities. Um, but even, even there, I think, you know, even if you're sort of engaging in the Sabbath that way, you're still creating boundaries around um, there's still, and there's still things that you're abstaining from there. So this, this vision of, like going to the market or some um, version of that where you're having like in-person interaction with people or somehow engaging in a way that's tying you into community, you know, maybe one of the things that that does is it illuminates things about one's lifestyle that they can either do without that superfluous or at least is superfluous on that day. For example, um, loading up the amazon.com 
cart. Um, or, you know, so it's not, it's not saying like, yes, we will do all the things and just be sort of community oriented around. It's like, no, like let's turn towards, um, ways of doing things that are actually life-giving to ourselves and to the community uh, of people around us. Um, I agree, because I think once you start buying from real people and looking in them in the eye, the people who make things and who who repair things and who grow things, you'd never load up that Amazon cart, right? You know, Or at least less, because also you'd have less money to spend on Amazon, because those things are also more expensive when you you are actually paying the livable um, wages of people. Um, For sure. But um, the other the other thing that I kind of wanted to 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 bridge onto is this notion of Sabbath as cathedral of time, and so you know what what does that mean? Father Jeffrey said it. You know, one of the ways we can think of that is expanding each moment, walking into each moment, and um, uh, noticing that how spacious it is for you know from the inside out. Well, another way I think we can sort of think about. Um, this cathedral in time idea that is practical is like cathedrals you build in stages. You, um, you maybe you make plans. You, you do make plans ahead of time when you're building an actual cathedral, but <laughs> you hope so. but like you 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 don't put the stained glass windows in um, before you have the brick facade up or whatever. Like you you do things in stages, and I think that that too gives us a reminder that we have a sense of freedom when it comes to how we might integrate some sense of Sabbath in our lives. Like we don't have to build it all, all at once. We, we can find our way gradually. And I do think that the lesson of rest, the lesson of delight of um, resting and letting God do the work on some level is something we all need to heed, but like how that manifests in our lives is a process. And it may look different for one person than the other. One person's cathedral might look a little bit different than the other person. But the, the, the fact is we are all stepping into this space or trying to, and, um, and like, that's okay. That that's the human condition in Christ really. Well, I have a question for you, because I know, um, you know, from our previous podcast and from things you said, you're uh, a devotee of uh, the minimalists. Um, and I wonder yeah. how much of this resonates with you, uh, you know, kind of the time based version of a minimalist movement in a way, because that's not about jettisoning everything. It's about right. valuing, you know, what's really of value by not... Mm-hmm overcharging your life with with possessions and so forth and is there not a sense in which what we're talking about here is a kind of time equivalent to that or have you seen those connections yourself and what what do you think yes um the the big tension that i think that the particularly this the group of josh and ryan the minimalists they explore is the tension between um intentionality and impulse and so much, so, so many things in our society incentivize impulse, like one click buying on Amazon or, you know, Netflix speeding up the transition from one episode to the next. So it gives you less time to say, actually, I don't want to watch an episode. It just goes right. Um, uh, uh, 
things like TikTok, which like it's just it, it's next, 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 next video, 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 video. And it, it leaves little room for intentionality because impulse makes money. And 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 one of the one of the things that these two guys, the minimalists are exploring is how can we bring back intentionality into our life in the hopes of leading a more meaningful life. And they sort of, they leave that up to you. They're, they're not prescriptive in, in what that means for, for you in particular, um, w- which means that they're actually picking up on wisdom that is in a lot of different religious traditions and is present in, even in our Orthodox tradition. Um, but the, in terms of time and like, ob- like observing Sabbath or things like that, our, our time is, has been so impulsive, right? Um, well, people don't, don't necessarily even make a plan for their day or, or things like that. It's just go to the next thing and the next thing. And fast food is like, well, I'm just going to like pull in because there's the sign there and it's right off the highway and I'm on my way home from work and I've worked eight hours and I don't want to go home and cook for another 45 minutes in order to make a meal after which I'm going to have to do the dishes. So I'm just going to like, you know, quickly, quickly hop into the, uh, the fast food. Um, so I think if we, I think a healthy way of, uh, um, of beginning to observe Sabbath in our own lives is to really focus on intentionality with what we do that day. Right. And, and, and that sometimes mean you, it means you have to sort of plan it out. You have to make the sketch of the cathedral in time the day before you build the cathedral. Um, but you have to really, I don't know how you two are, but I find that if I have to make a decision in the moment, it's very bad. Like if there's a bag of chips on the counter and I haven't thought about, okay, if there's a bag of chips on the counter, how am I going to react? If I, if I just walk in, there's a bag of chips, I will eat the bag of chips. Um, So I, I think one good way of approaching Sabbath would be have quite a planned intentionality about that time and about the activities that you're going to do. Maybe you don't even change what you do on a Saturday, but all you do is filter what you're going to do through sort of the lens of intentionality. Um, and I think father Jeffrey, you were talking a little bit about that too. Like, well, maybe you do shop for your groceries on Saturday, but what if you actually were, intentional about making connections you actually brought intentionality to it and did not rely solely on impulse or habit um in in that sense i that's how i would that's how i answered your question i hope that was uh somewhat clear (laughs) sure I'm not used I'm to glad this podcast ask, answering questions from Father Jeffrey. This is a I, tables turned moment. Yeah, <laughs> I like the, the 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 point you made about the impulsivity of time with that we have with regard to time. And I, I always wonder, like, how was it 100, 200, 300 years ago? Because you don't have like 16th century um, literature on like how to make a good to do list or whatever. They had their own time angst around different things but like you know that's a fairly new concept and um i i suspect that it's not it's not that people were somehow less impulsive in the past but that they had fewer they had fewer options and choices and space in time i mean like before electric lights your day was cut short um, for at least for a variety of activities that you couldn't do once you didn't have strong enough light to complete them and things like that. So there's the, the book, The Paradox of Choice, how 
there's so many options that we have and the decision fatigue we have around every little thing in life. Like we think in a free capitalist world, that choice is always a good thing and drives like the prices down and whatnot. But um, on an existential level, it is actually very exhausting and makes conversations like this more difficult of how, okay, now we actually have to recover rest. Whereas in the past there was rest naturally built into the cycles of the year and the day because human effort could only get you so far <laughs> before you, you were sort of forced to, to go to sleep or have a winter when you couldn't farm and all of that. So, yeah, it's sort of like, it's an interesting question to think about whether we have sort of made an idol out of productivity. And I mean, it might be an interesting thought experiment. We don't have to answer this now, but uh, we could, if we wanted to, but you know, here's a question. Are Orthodox Christians called to be productive no. Right, like it's an interesting hard no. <laughs> hard, hard, hard I would well, say we're explore. called to be fruitful we're called to be fruitful <laughs> we're called to bear fruit and um the you know those are first and foremost the fruits of the of the spirit that's you know that's the hallmark of our life and I think you know on a deeper level those fruits manifest in active um loving of our neighbor and of God in this life in time. And that in turn may manifest as being a hard worker, a diligent worker, a quiet worker, a peaceful worker, like a loving worker, whatever the work is. And maybe that amounts to writing a lot of books or putting out a lot of podcast episodes or whatever, um, or becoming a CEO who treats his employees who makes a lot of money, but also treats his employees with justice and, and equity and all of that. Um, but productivity in and of itself, I don't think is our goal. No. Yeah. Not, not economic productivity, which is the kind of a default assumption there. I mean, obviously a fruit bearing tree is productive in, in keeping with its nature, giving fruit, right? So if, if that's the metaphor here, so there's a certain kind of productivity implied in fruitfulness, but but not in the sense of being a kind of economic citizen and consumer and, and laborer and, and, and all of that. I mean, these are products of a, of, a, of a different story. It's a story we've all been sucked into, but that story has a different telos, a different purpose than the one that Nicole just talked about, which is the Christian story, which is which has a, a goal, which is participating in the life of God and sharing that life, you know, with the world. And so is it a call to activity? Yes. It's, is it a call to ministry and mission and service and, and all of that? Absolutely. Um, but above all, it's, it's the call to a kind of faithfulness and a trust um, in God, right? And, and a God who is already doing all that work. And we are called to participate in that as and when, you know, we, we, we can do so. And principally through exactly what Nicole said, the, the kind of fruitfulness of the spirit that, that we carry um, by being immersed, you know, in the life of God. It's, it's certainly not about economic productivity, about achieving you know, uh, some sort of wealth or, or or any of that. I mean, clearly, we're called to love and care for one another, particularly for those of us who are in families. We have to look after and shelter people and provide for them. But but it's that's a different 
tell us a different goal, say, from the, the, the goal that the consumer capitalist culture gives us, which is just make as much as possible, produce as much as possible, acquire, and then discard to reacquire, which is one of the, actually, the worst things about our, our culture now is how disposable it all is, right? You're, you're supposed to become productive only to, to have things temporarily because they don't last very long. So some of that earlier discussion about the intentionality and then the, the personal relationships that we can form through you know, through, you know, connecting with one another for the purposes of looking after one another, where we get real craftsmen, real, you know, farmers, real whatever involved. Yeah, it's more expensive, but it's enduring. You know, it has a kind of a, a greater value and permanence to it. And, and all of that's good. I think we can celebrate and, and, and with joy that, you know, the, the kind of there is something noble about work, uh, about tilling the garden, about, you know, providing things. But it's complete. The, the point here is it's the, the goal that's different, the telos, right? And the telos of a product, productive consumer and laborer in a capitalist culture is not the telos of a Christian mm. kingdom that we are called to, to be part of. Here's, here's something, pith, here's a little pithy phrase that I've, I was thinking about while we we're having this discussion. And let me know what you think of this. Um, we're not called to be productive. We're called to be creative. Um, Co-creative even, you know? Um, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I like Re-creative. that. Yeah. Well, recreated. <laughs> okay. Never it. mind. It didn't land. Okay. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> um, okay. Well, let us maybe move on to, uh, unless there was more that anyone wanted to say on the subject, I thought maybe we could move on to another topic, but I'll leave it open for a second. If anyone wants to. Nope. I'm waiting for all these listener questions to yeah. challenge us. And, yeah, that would be awesome. and no, no listener questions just yet. So uh, we'll have to uh, wait and see if our lovely listeners will send. Oh, Louise <laughs> says not a question transformed. <laughs> no, it's a suggestion. It it's a suggestion. <laughs> yes. Just because yes. you had a question mark does not make something a question. The answer is yes. Right. We were. Not, we are. What, what was the pithy thing? We're not supposed. We are not called to be productive. We're called to be transformed. But but I think it's also that active part of it. So so co-transforming is also you know yes right. we are we are you know, made by God, but we have to be right. co-makers, you know, the, we, we, the, 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 the word actually in the scriptures that's often used is the word that gives us poetry in English, right? The, it's the Greek uh, verb, pieces, uh, which actually is applied to all sorts of creators in the church, you know, whether you're a hymnographer, an iconographer, whether you're doing this or that labor in the church, you are doing pieces, which is basically poetry. And, and in the scriptures, we are called God's we're the result of God's peace, his, his activity of, of creation. So there's this kind of co-creativity that, that is at work there. And I, I love that. I mean, this is, uh, or C.S. Lewis calls it sub-creation, right? Right. Um, that we are called to, within the scope of the creator, do sub-creation, you know, which right. is a joyful, you know, participation in God's work, mm-hmm. right? Not for the sake of consumer capitalist culture and adding wealth, but of, 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 of precisely what we're called to do is share in God's life, right? We talk about theosis, about being like God. God is a creator. So on that basis, we are called to do things, to make yeah. things, to, to celebrate in the joy of it. But what does God do when he creates? He rests on the seventh day and he call and he, he sanctifies, he hallows that day, right? So if we're to be, if we're to do theosis, we're to do Sabbath. Right? There's no question about it. it. It's written eternally into into what God d- does. That if we are to be like Him, 
then we must practice Sabbath. Um, Louise does meant, uh, she said somewhere in the scriptures, Christ says, come to me. Louise, <laughs> I'm not, somewhere. Somewhere. Uh, Every so. breath of his ministry. Come to me. Um, All I'm, you who are heavy laden, yes. and I will give you rest. Yes. Right. I think uh, the yoke is uh, Matthew 11, I'm going to guess, somewhere around there. I'm not sure if there was a question in there, Louise, but uh, I thought Good I'd put point. it up there anyways. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think her point is about resting, right? About coming because you're burdened, because you're laden. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's, I think, that the key. If we're going to co-create or sub-create along with God and to celebrate the joy of making, of poetry in this world, then it's not for the sake of being burdened by that, of, of being heavy laden, because Christ is our Sabbath. I will give you Sabbath, he says. And so in Christ, we have that rest, but we also have that joy, that joy of being like him, the word of God that was so creative, the spirit that was poured out over the face of the waters and brought all things into order. We're meant to participate in that with joy, not with burden, with heavy, you know, uh, you know, heavy laden anxiety or anything like that. And that's, I think, where our society's got creation and productivity and work all wrong. It's become mm-hmm. this anxiety-driven activity rather than just joyful participation in the life of God. Yeah, and and along with that, a sort of neurotic um, way of being, and I say that because I'm very passionate, like I'm a participant in that same neurosis much of the time. But um, like one of the questions I have gotten a lot through time eternal and related activities is like, won't this idea that heaven will be boring and this kind of almost existential dread when it comes to heaven, because like, we're just going to be standing up there. Unproductive. (laughs) Like singing praises all the time. And like, you know, I'm sure we all love a good liturgy, but it's sort of like not stimulating enough. And um, I think that a really big sort of reason where that angst comes from is because we live in such a doing culture. And when we stop, like when we stop, we don't have a mechanism in place culturally for stopping and finding meaning in the stopping. And, um, and like, it's, it's a source of boredom. It's a source of angst. It's a, it, it, it connects us with our like sense of inadequacy that we try and stuff down when the rest of the time, when we're like doing stuff that we can be proud of and show off or whatever. And, um, people have asked me in like making more of an intentional effort around Sabbath, like don't, isn't it anxiety provoking? Cause I actually do have anxiety, <laughs> like a generalized anxiety. It is the best thing on earth. It is the best thing on earth to sit back and and not just not do the things, but rest from even the anxiety around the things and to know that like God is God is there and God is is working when you're not and it doesn't matter. Like the things you do don't matter. And in I've just I've just thought like if people if we could develop more within our lives, a sort of intentionality around this. I think that that one of the fruits of this practice would be a longing for heaven rather than a sort of dread. Yeah. We don't practice enough the, the, that 
enjoyment, right? If you think about, you know, the, the way that hymn of creation in the first chapter of Genesis, you know, is told. And then at the very beginning of chapter two, we get that, that, that coda of, you know, God in the seventh day and he rests and he, he's enjoying what he's done, right? And that is a habit we don't really have is to stop and enjoy because we're just moving impulsively yes. from moment to moment. I mean, and this goes right down to the micro level, you know, why are we all so unhealthy in our society? We don't even stop after every mouthful of food to say, I'm enjoying that, you know, we would eat less like the French, you know, uh, but better because we want every mouthful to be in, 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 you know, a source of enjoyment, but we just, you know, we scoff down the food and, and then, you know, we wonder where the joy has gone in our life and we move on to the next thing. So we need to stop with every single thing. That's what I was trying to talk about earlier. We expand the moment, you know, expand the encounter with the friend on the street, expand the, the opportunity to, to deal with craftspeople and, and, and people who are making our food, expand the opportunity to be with our children, with our families, and so forth, and 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 really forgive ourselves almost for stopping and enjoying that moment, right? I mean that, that proverbial, you know, cliche: stop and you know enjoy the roses, you know, smell the roses, and so forth. Well, we don't do that. We 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 have that. It's a it's a byword. It's a joke because nobody knows how to do that anymore. And we almost at every level of our lives need to be able to cease, to stop, to desist, and just take it all in, right? God wants us to take it in. It's, it's good, all this creation. And yet we've ruined it because we're not enjoying it, right? Mm. That's, that's the irony of it, right? You know, it's not that we're supposed to work it better or more efficiently or more productively or anything. We're supposed to just enjoy it better than, than we have. And, and how, how, what a happier, more peaceful place it would be on earth if everybody just stopped enough to enjoy and then get along and then you know, look after and all of those things. I think that that idea of Sabbath built into everything would 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 solve an awful lot of our socioeconomic <laughs> misery and it and as well as our psychological anxiety. Yeah. So so um, but we do have some comments rolling in, but I want to share something. Uh, so you mentioned you asked about the kind of the minimalists there earlier, Father Jeffrey, and there's one thing that Josh, uh, one of them, uh, says quite often. Um, but his, it's a little pithy phrase, and it's, you are complete in an empty room. And his, his point is that, um, I, I, I mean, in the context of Sabbath, I mean, he doesn't put it in the context of Sabbath, but I am. Like, so often, we don't take that time to just exist and be complete, right? Uh, we're doing, 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 where, you know, to be in that empty room and being complete there everything else is sort of cake on top of that. Um, but are we ever in a truly empty room? That's his point. I think that's his point. There is no such thing as an empty room. If you're in it, right. With all of what you bring, you know, not just you as a person, as a human being, as a temple of the Holy spirit, but all of the world, the imagination, Mm -hmm. the cosmos that you are, you're a micro, microcosmos of the macrocosmos and so there is no such thing as an empty room and you know we, we don't even have that the, the opportunity to enjoy our own thoughts 
How many of us, the second we're left alone, switch on a radio, not a radio these days, but a podcast or a, <laughs> a, some sort of music, you know, thing. A gramophone. Or on the, yeah. <laughs> Crank up the gramophone. <laughs> you know, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like we, we, we can't bear the quiet. We can't bear the, that absence of, of noise and busyness and, and everything. And, and we, we just, um, yeah, we, we can't live with ourselves. And therefore we yeah. lack all of the creativity that comes from ultimately quote unquote boredom, right? You know, all the great scientific discoveries in history have come because somebody was bored one day, you know, and, and we don't allow, I don't think they're going to happen anymore. If we're, if we're so busy, so frenetic, so anxious all the time. Yeah. I think, you know, especially in the context of the minimalists, they talk a lot about consumer culture and things like that. And, you know, to say you're complete in an empty room is to say, no matter how much you produce with your life, and no matter how much you accumulate in your life, that does not make you more complete, right? Um, all these things are things that augment our life and, and surround that. But I mean, we can leave that there and move on to some of the comments that are that are coming in. Uh, Cam Hay says, I'm guilty of picking up fast food to avoid cooking and doing the dishes. Yet at the same time, some cherished memories are doing the opposite, cooking, eating, and even cleaning dishes together. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know about cleaning dishes for myself, but uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, in my, in my, you know, journey, um, I, as I say that my own sort of practice of all these things is a work in pro progress, but you know, that was something that I struggled with. I don't have a car. So like the whole grocery shopping and, and all of that does, it does take a significant um, amount of time, even though like I'm, I'm only cooking and all that for one person. But, um, so I really was trying to be creative. Okay. How can I like actually consolidate food prep and, and grocery shopping and all of that into like a smaller time, but also have some intentionality. And one of the things that I, I did some research on and that I ended up starting to do, which has like totally shifted things in a positive way around food for me is I started subscribing to this box um, produce box locally where they take food from that it like produce that is like bruised or misshapen that grocery stores don't want to put on their shelves or they, it doesn't get bought in time. And so it's kind of like, you have to like cook with it because it's sort of bruised. Um, uh, just getting that. And it comes, it comes to my house every week and it has like cut my grocery bill. It's cut the time that I even spend in grocery stores because like pro picking out produce was like the most time consuming part for me. And, and like, it's helped me, I I'm taking fruit that would otherwise either go to waste or just not, I don't know, not get used in a, in a good way. And it's, it's a creative exercise. I never know what's going to come. And then I have to figure out how to use it. And it's my point with that is like, there are, I don't know, we can find ways of being intentional in our time and place um, that, Take, maybe take a little bit of creativity to make your own, but like there, there are options when we just sort of step back and, and think, think about some of these things. Uh, Cam has a question actually. You've touched on already, but can you talk about the Sabbath and community bringing it outside of our homes, outside of the immediate family? Is there too much focus on immediate family on the Sabbath? I can 
talk, speak to that because I live by myself. And one of the re- another reason why this has become so important to me is because I, I especially since COVID, have wanted to make a bigger priority of actually getting together with people. But if I don't, it like that's the thing that falls to the wayside. Um, and one of the things that that I've done is every Friday I have someone over, um, whether it's ideally in person, but I've also used it as a time to catch up with people long distance um, over Zoom that I otherwise would not have the luxury of spending a long time talking with during the week. Um, but it's allowed me to get to know, like just making that, making a commitment to that. First of all, it's like a hard stop of when I have to stop working and doing all the stuff. And if I can't really carry Sabbath too far into Saturday, it's at least like one concrete time where I know I'm stepping away from um, the things that, things that drive me nuts. Um, and it's allowed me to invite other people into this practice uh, and get to know people in my church, like that I don't get a chance to talk to otherwise and try and build community a little bit there in a small, very small way. Um, but that, I don't know, for me, that's one thing that's been beneficial and maybe something to think about is like, how, like, how do we use this as a time to show hospitality, um, in concrete ways, not just sort of theoretically? Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Um, you know, I think it's it's even a misnomer to say in Jewish tradition, it's about a kind of drawing in of, of the immediate yeah. family and so forth. In actual fact, because one is not supposed to travel very far on the Sabbath, right? Um, you can't just sort of rush back to your immediate family. So the, the, there should always be another place set, right? Um, for those who are not able to do that, so that you're, you're always welcoming people, you know, in, into your home and everything. So Nicole's practice there is fully in keeping with, you know, with ancient, you know, Jewish custom, you know, uh, around that. But I think overall, this whole thing that we're talking about should be very outward focus. It's about making more and, and better connections, you know, with, with larger uh, groups, you know, whether it's uh, more of an extended family. I mean, the, the whole notion that Christianity is about a, a nuclear family isolated from the rest of the world is is a complete nonsense. And it's a very recent thing indeed. And I refer you to other podcasts Father Yuri and I have done on you know, that subject um, in, in some detail, right? So we, we should be about at the very least extended families, multi-generational families, drawing people in uh, different shaped families, you know, not everybody, uh, everybody's family looks the same. So so using these as opportunities to spend more time with a greater number of people. And I say that should even include all of these people who are doing things to allow you to, 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 enjoy God's good creation. So whether it's people producing food or crafts or, or all of these things, you should have a relationship with them. You should look in the eye, you know, the person who, who raises, you know, the, the, the meat that you're eating, or you should, you know, be able to chat with the person who's making those vegetables and talk about what a good recipe it would be when you have, you know, I remember in France, this was always the thing you go to the market and you don't say, you know, um, you know, what would I do with this particular, you know, cut of meat or whatever you'd say, I'm having 10 people over for dinner. 
what do you recommend? And you have a good natter about what it was, you know, how you would prepare it, you know, what people are going to like or not like, and what you do with the leftovers and, and all of that. And the whole thing is social. The whole thing is expansive. The whole thing is open and, and just joyful. It's part of living in God's good creation uh, that we should be happier with somehow. And I think it's time for us to stop being so darn unhappy all of the time and uh, taking the time to stop and enjoy all of that. And, and we'll learn, like the minimalists have, you know, how less is more. You know, you don't need so much stuff if you enjoy the good things that you have and you take more care and deliberation and intentionality over it, as we've described, but with more people, right? If I enjoy that one thing with 12 people, it's better than, you know, 12 things with just myself. And uh, so I think we'll just be overall more of what God intended us to be. If you're an introvert and having like apoplectic uh, reaction to <laughs> the thought of, <laughs> of waxing poetic with your butcher, um, you know, you can write thank you cards or um, like sometimes I have like a super introverted Saturday where like the last thing I want to do is 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 interact. But I bake things for people or for church or write a thank you card that I, you know, for something that I've appreciated in the last week or whatever. And and. That's if that's where you're at on a, any given day, you know, that that counts, too, I think, in my book. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have like four minutes left and we have not talked about anything that I said we were going to talk about. And it's probably too short. Uh, I don't think we could cover Great and Holy Saturday as well as all the Saturdays of the liturgical year in about four minutes. But um, I don't know if it'd be worth giving a try or not. But uh I actually, I'll tell, maybe I'll tell a story and then yeah. you can, you can react to that. I, once in my younger, uh, my younger days, I was asked by somebody about an Orthodox perspective on Sabbath. This was somebody coming from a Protestant evangelical background and probably had, I think he was frustrated with the way Sabbath was being talked about by certain people or whatever. Was and, this me? Um, no names, no, 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 no names. <laughs> Um, oh, did you meet this person? Yeah. Okay, anyway, continue. Yeah. So th this this uh, doctor. Uh, no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> um, and I, my mind, I'm pretty young. I was like a early 20s at this time. And my mind, my mind immediately went to Holy Saturday, and I started talking about like the liturgical expressions of Holy Saturday. I don't think I really knew what I was talking. I think I had a, a good gut feeling, which was, well, let's look at the the ultimate Sabbath, right? Let's start there, which I think is a good gut feeling. But beyond having that good gut feeling, I don't really think I was explaining anything not good, and I don't think he picked up anything that I was laying down, which is probably a good thing, and the Lord spared him there. Um, and we left that conversation. I, I, I'm convinced he was just more annoyed and confused than ever. Um, uh, oh, yeah. So, sorry. I'm just reading. Alyssa just sent in a comment. So, uh, but yeah, anyways, I'll let you react to that story. I don't know if there's much to react to there, but I just thought well, I'd share that. You've said we only have a couple of minutes to say the whole thing, but let me just quote a little bit from that service, which I sure. think is, it kind of captures everything we've talked about because we've, we have talked about this. I really think we have, we've not called it that by name, but it, it precisely comes out of 
the great and holy Sabbath. The, 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 the seven days of creation are based on that, you know, the, um, and here's a little bit of a quote from, from our holy Saturday um, service. The great Moses mystically foreshadowed this day when he said, God blessed the seventh day. This is the blessed Sabbath. This is the day of rest on which the only begotten Son of God rested from all his works. So that one who lies in the tomb actively, so not not the corpse in the tomb, but actively because he's in Hades overthrowing the powers of darkness and death as we sing about. But on that day, everything you know, kind of is made to make sense. The, the whole of the cosmos is framed by that day. And so it was to foreshadow that, that there were seven days of creation, right? So what, what happened first, you, you, might, you might well wonder, what caused the other? This is the great and holy Sabbath. And it's on that basis that we come to the fullness of what it means to be human, the fullness of what it means to be in this creation, right? Because on the cross, our Lord says, it is finished. The whole of this work that he has been working from the beginning of time to, to bring to fruition, it is finished, he says, on the cross, and then rests from his labors. And to enjoy the fullness of what that means, to be human, to be in this creation, is to, to do the same thing, to, to enter into that Sabbath rest. Come, all who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you Sabbath, our Lord says. And it is Matthew chapter 11. Um, and so let us do that. Let us let us celebrate that moment, that invitation, that that rest, that joy, that peace with God that we are called to have. Dr. Nicole, you're our guest, so I'll give you the last opportunity to share anything if you'd like. You don't have to. I'm just giving um, you the opportunity. I, I, I mean, tough fact to follow, but yeah, I, I, um. One of the things I've been thinking about this week since our conversation, since we recorded our conversation for the Time Eternal podcast is just um, how beautiful it is when Christ is in the tomb that he is entering Hades on the Sabbath to invite those to pay, to make a way for those who who are in Hades to enter into the eternal Sabbath. I just think that that's a, I don't know, beautiful um, thought and kind of bookend of all time and existence. And um, yeah, we have a, we have a very rich, sometimes, you know, you, you are doing, you are following this faith and kind of going, going through the, the, the rituals and, and you know, it's beautiful, but certain little facets of it every now and then just catch you in such a way. And that's been one such facet for me in the last week. Can I just thank you, Nicole, for bringing this to, uh, you know, the attention of a, a lot of people. Cause I think, you know, I, I said it earlier. I mean, I think if we got this right, what a different world we would be living in. And <laughs> yeah, so sure. continue, continue to model this, to, to talk about it, to, to, to broadcast, to podcast about it. Uh, we really appreciate all the work that you're doing and uh, continue to pray and support you and your ministry. And uh, we value it truly. So. Well, thank you. And I have, you know, I have learned so much from your guys' discussions on the various services and especially Vespers. Um, so I'm I'm really glad that we could team up for this. And maybe it, hopefully it's the first, not the not the last. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, here we're gonna end with just a couple of comments from the uh from the um 
from the patrons here. Louise says, Matthew 11, got it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Cam says, okay, now you have to do an episode about Christ saying, it is finished before the resurrection and ascension. (sighs) So maybe we'll add that for our uh, patron thing there. Uh, Cam says... Thanks so much. Great episode. And Alyssa says, so you know I usually have questions, but by golly, I've just been enjoying this conversation. Aww. So much good food for thought. Thanks all. Yeah, emphasis on the good food, right? <laughs> and exactly. slow food, slow yeah. food movement. <laughs> yeah, cool. All right. Well, thank you very much, Nicole. Thank you, Father Jeffrey. Thank you to all our patrons. Amen. We'll see you next time. Enacting the Kingdom is a patron-supported show. And if you're not a patron, you're only getting half of everything we create. If you'd like to join our growing community of supporters, please go to patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom. Your patronage goes a long way to keeping this show going. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.